So if you're going to have your Bibles to follow along with me, I'm going to be starting uh, from Colossians chapter 1, verses 11 through 14. And I'm going to be reading from the Passion Translation. I also like it in the King James Version. This is one of the, 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 the couple of verses that I do like from the King James, but I'm going to be reading from the Passion Translation. It says this, and we pray that you would be energized with all of his explosive power from the realm of his man- magnificent glory. Now, I, I love that. And you, you see, but when you read that, you have to understand that Paul is not praying, right, with the hopes that you may be, that it might come. When Paul is praying this prayer that you would be energized, he's praying this prayer with the hopes that you would realize what's within you. What, that you would realize what you already can contain. And we pray that you would be energized with all the explosive power from the realm of his magnificent glory. Now we know that's true, what I just said, okay? Because he told us in Romans chapter 8, verse 11, since the same spirit, power that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you, then that same spirit will, will revitalize your mortal body. It will. That same spirit will. It can't do anything but. And then it says, magnificent glory, his magnificent glory. We know from John chapter 17, verse 23 or 22, Jesus said, Father, the glory you've given me, I've given to them. All right? And we know again from Paul, from Romans chapter 8, verse 30, you know, whom the Father called, he justified, and who he justified, he glorified. So this isn't something that Paul is praying would happen. This is something that Paul is praying you would realize has happened. Filling you with great hope. This Fill you with great hope knowing what's within you. This is why he said in, in Ephesians, see, when I, this, uh, verses start exploding from me, from within me, okay? This is why he said in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20, that God is able to do far beyond what you could ask or think. According to the power that worketh within you. That's within you. Okay? Your hearts can now soar with joyful gratitude when you think of how God made you worthy. I love that. God made you worthy to receive this glorious inheritance that has been freely given to you by living in Jesus, by living in the light. And we know Paul's established, if any man be in Christ, that's where we are. In Christ, we're new creations. He has rescued us completely from the tyrannical rule of darkness and has translated us into the kingdom realm of his beloved son. For in the son, all our sins are canceled and we have the release of redemption through his very blood. What a powerful portion of scripture. Look at that phrase, dominion of darkness in King James Version. In the Passion Translation, it's the tyrannical rule of darkness. Tyrannical rule of darkness. You see, if we don't rightly divide the word of truth, the word of God, if we don't rightly understand the hermeneutics behind the context of what Paul is talking about. We won't really understand what he's talking about here. 
the tyrannical rule of darkness. He's talking about exousia, governing rules and laws. Okay? So God has delivered us from this tyrannical rule of darkness. What Paul is talking about, he's delivered us from the covenant of the law that brings nothing but condemnation and death. He's delivered us from that you better, you need to, you have to, you must. He's delivered us from that covenant and system of laws and rules and regulations and ceremonial, ceremonial instructions, right? That would always produce guilt, shame, and condemnation on people because they couldn't keep it. And they still can't. And pulpits still today try to get people under that system, keep them in that system by using those tell words. You need to, you must, you have to. And into the realm of his beloved son, into the abundance of grace, into the gospel of Christ, into life in Christ, which is the power of God for salvation. Now, how do I know that? How do I know he's talking about the law and legalism and things that are instructed by the turn and burn religious system that we're all so familiar with? It makes perfect sense when you think about it because of the context of his letter. If you just go back a few verses into chapter 2, you will find out where he's talking about Jesus. How we became one with him. How we were buried with him in his death. How we were one with him in his resurrection. How we were raised with him, newness of life. How on the cross, he took the ordinances and the laws that were against us, that were contrary to us, canceling them out, blotting them out, some scriptures say, but the, he, uh, but the Greek says, obliterating them. Nailing to them to the cross. Obliterating them. No more there to work against us. He saved us from that tyrannical rule of darkness. Makes so much sense. Makes so much sense. And this is what it says in, in verses 13 and 15 of chapter 2. And you being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh... Hath he quickened together with him, having forgiven you all your trespasses, blotting out. That's that word blotting, but it really is in the Greek, it's obliterating. Obliterating. Obliterate. I, I don't know what religion thinks of people that try to get people under the law, people who use the law constantly. What, what do they think about this portion of Scripture? What do they have, what do they have to say about this portion of Scripture? obliterating the handwriting and ordinance, uh, of ordinances that were against us, that, that were contrary to us. He took them out of the way, nailing it to the cross. And having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing them over them in it. Make no mistake about it. Law, the covenant of law, the covenant of legalism, is what it's talking about. Now, can he be referring to a fallen satanic mindset also? 
Yeah, that'll fit too. I don't believe he's talking about Satan. We give Satan too much credit. We take Satan and we give someone who has no power, we, we give him power. Satan was all over me this week. Satan attacked me this week. Satan did this to me this, work, this week. As far as I know, Satan's not God. God is omnipresent. God is omnipresent. God is omniscient. Satan is not. Satan is not omniscient, and Satan is not omnipresent. Satan can't be giving me all I can handle in New York and then be giving Rick Oscom all he can handle in Colorado at the same time. He just can't. And with, with three and a half billion people in this world, we give too much credit to him. What we don't realize is this tyrannical rule of darkness that, that Jesus has taken us out of is this, this mindset of rules and regulations that were contrary, that were against us, that tells us we're not, we can't, we don't have, we need to do, we must work at it. There are, we must be, there must, you must attain certain, certain levels of performance. That keeps people in guilt, shame, and condemnation. Not in the freedom that Jesus came to give. Not in the living and the livelihood that's enjoyed in the realm of his beloved son, which is the realm of grace and the realm of his love. And the primary weapons of both the religious and the enemy mindset, the primary weapon is fear. This is where I think that Carrie, uh, uh, Caprice seen my notes. Fear. 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 Turn or burn. Wrath. Wrath. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. Judgment on the sons of disobedience. I have a hard time with that. I have a hard time with those translations. The reason why is because I'm going to just tell you four places. These are just four places of many. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 19. This is where God was reconciling the entire world, all its inhabitants, all its inhabitants, every one of its inhabitants. God reconciling the entire world in Christ. And you know what else it says after that in verse 19 of 2 Corinthians chapter 5? No longer, no longer counting sins against them. It doesn't just say believers. This is one of those troubled passages of Scripture that a lot of people don't like to, uh, you know, to like to visit. And the reason why they don't like to visit to it, it visit it is because of the way our translations translate. Right? So that's that's 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 19. Romans chapter 4, verse 7 and 8, where David is talking about the day of Jesus, where true righteousness will be imparted. And God will no longer impute sin. Okay, what else? 
What about Hebrews chapter 8, verse 12? He will be merciful to unrighteousness. And sins and iniquities he will remember no more. I think we should rip those, just get rid of those verses. And then he repeats it again in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 17. I will be merciful to their unrighteousness. And their sins and iniquities I will remember no more. But people still have fear. Because they let others put it on them. They, they don't walk in their new creation realities. They don't walk with the new mindsets that, that the Apostle Paul tries to, tries to reveal to them the, the realities of who they are, to show them the realities of who they are. And so, you know, religion and, 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 and legalism and mixture and law, you know, and, 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 and maybe doctor's reports, they allow that thinking to, to enter their mind and they allow the falling, fallen mindset to take over and they allow fear and worry and anxiety and stress keep them imprisoned and in bondage. And you know there's a lot of tells. What have I done wrong? What have I done? What did I do to deserve this? You know what the answer to that is? Forget all that because Christ did everything right. God is angry with me. God is upset with me. I'm, I'm, I, you know what? I'm not on fire. I'm not really on fire. I, yeah, I guess I'm lukewarm. I'm not even lukewarm. I like to be lukewarm. Oh, but he's getting ready to spit me out of his mouth. I'm going to reap what I sow. Thank God I don't reap what I sow. Thank God. Whether it's finances, you know, all my wrong decisions. Thank God. Because I go to his throne. No matter what. No matter what. I'll go to his throne. And why do I go to his throne? Because it says, come boldly. Come boldly. And why? Because it's a throne of grace. It's a throne of grace. And you know what you're going to get when you come to this throne of grace? Mercy. And then you know what you're going to leave with when you leave this throne of grace? More grace. More grace. More grace. More grace. It's going to be revealed from within you. Your time of need. Living with chronic fear, chronic anxiety, it causes physical stress on our bodies, especially to our nervous system, our cardiovascular system, our digestive system, our immunity, our immune system, and our respiratory system. See, you took my notes. Now, understand this. Turn or burn, brother. You better turn or burn. Burn. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. He's ready. His wrath is ready to be poured out, you sons of disobedience. You know, you know, you need to, you have to, you must. And then guilt, shame, and condemnation, and then fear. Well, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, we all know it. God never gives me a spirit of fear. He has never given me a spirit of fear. He will never give me a spirit of fear. He's only given me the Holy Spirit who gives me mighty power, who gives me the revelation of his love and self-control. I'm going to need that tonight when I pop out all my chicken wings and watch the Super Bowl, but <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. That's why I only have 24. I didn't want to go more than that. <laughs> That's my self-control. 24. <laughs> For God never gives a spirit of fear. 
If it's coming, if it's coming, if fear is coming, if any kind of guilt, shame, condemnation, it's coming, it's coming, it's coming. It's not the gospel of grace. Amen. Look at what my Bible says in 1 John chapter 4, verse 18. Your Bible should say the same thing. There is no fear in love. But perfect love casts fear away. You know what I can honestly say? I can honestly say, as I stand here today, and I think about it, when God told me, you will live and you will not die, right? And he told me, you'll not miss a Sunday or a Saturday, Karis Day, and proceed in peace, right? I wasn't sure what he meant. But I knew one thing. I was not afraid. I had no fear. Never did I have fear. My wife has been up here in front of you, and she'll tell you, no, there was no fear. She had no fear. And I never forget, walking into that one specialist's office, knowing the report, and the report was 2% chance of living. 2% chance of living. And I never had fear. Never had fear. Why? Because I was convinced of his love. And so Lori and I walked into that office we know there was no we knew there was no cure. We were told there's no cure. And we were happy. We were joyous because I got my word. You know, and we were high-fiving and we were smiling and and he walked in, he goes, "You know why you're here?" And I like said, "Yeah, I know why I'm here." Oh, but she doesn't yet. She hasn't heard the report. <laughs> but I said it doesn't matter because I will live and I will not die. And I we high-fived and we were happy. We we're excited. So then he goes to me, well, what is it you have? And I told him. I said, well, I didn't have it. I said, this is what they told me. And then this guy tells me, well, listen, I've been in China for 11 years. I've been working with this very thing. You know, I don't give you a 98% chance of death. I'm going to give you a 98% chance that you're going to live. And I'm like, what? And I was like taken back. I believe healing comes from God, and I was healed. But I was taken back from the report. And you see, this is where I wrestled, you know, wrestled with it. What does proceeding with peace mean? And that's when I decided, okay, Lord, proceed with peace, then I'm if 98, then I go this route. But the bottom line was, I had no fear, and I only operated through his love. Amen. And I'm standing in front of you today. Amen. Now I think it's two and a half years later. God. Just had more, I had to go down there for another test. Your heart is strong. Very strong. Your blood, your veins, your arteries, clear. Pumping that blood right through like it's supposed to. Your lungs are clear. Your brain is, is sharp. Your hearing is great. Your eyesight is great. Your blood pressure is normal. You know? Yeah. Thank you. I appreciate it. I know that. <laughs> There's no fear in love. Perfect love casts out fear because fear has torment. And he that feareth, right? He... This is, this is important to understand this right here. He that has fear does not see the perfection of love. Understand? Jesus, all he did was teach us, don't worry. You know, don't be anxious. Don't be like those that are not part of God's kingdom. 
always worrying, always anxious. How is this going to happen? How is this going to take place? You know, what are we going to do about this? What are we going to be, do about that? And you can read about it in Matthew chapter 6, verse 25 through 33. He wants us to live life in a peaceful confidence. A peaceful confidence. Confidence that our Heavenly Father, He knows what we need, and He's already provided it. He knows what we need. He'll release it before we even ask. And we know how it ends. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Well, if you take that and put it into Paul's message, right, where it's talking about your hearts will soar with joyful gratitude when you think of how God made you worthy to receive his glorious inheritance freely given to you by, by being in Jesus. So then when you look at that and you look at seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you, then you understand where it says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. That word his, it means someone else's and not your own. So it doesn't mean seek to become righteous like he is righteous. It means seek righteousness through him and by him and of him. And put your minds into kingdom living where it's already done. It is finished. We have have it. We have it. Right? That song is a great song, isn't it? In Philippians 4, verse 6 and 7, he's telling us, you know, don't be anxious. Don't be anxious. Bring your requests to God. Be confident. Come boldly to the throne of grace. Don't be anxious. Right? And then he says, be thankful. Be thankful. Be thankful. Yes, be thankful. Be thankful. You know? And if you're in a situation where possible fear, possible guilt, shame, condemnation, you know, you take, these, you take these, these admonitions, these instructions by the Holy Spirit, right? As being led by the Holy Spirit. Because it's not a work. He will lead you. He will lead you into the right mindset. Where now you're thankful. Thankful for what? My gosh, guys, if you can't come up with at least, at least a dozen things that you could become thank you could be thankful for, right? Right? With the snap of a finger. Thankful. Carefree. Your father already knows you. You need these things. He's already heard. He's already heard you. And in fact, he's already blessed you with them. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3, we have been already blessed with all things, with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, God has given us all things pertaining to life and godliness. Romans chapter 8, verse 32, come on, think of it. Think of it, Vinny. He gave you Jesus. And what that means is when he gave you Jesus, he freely gave you all things. Amen. Okay. Okay. So don't let religion try to convince you that you need to do things to qualify. No matter what it is. I just uncovered something because of my grace filter that I've never heard another man preach. Never. And I always talk about, like, even when it comes to giving, grace giving. Grace giving. Grace giving. And when you give, 
You know, you're going to unlock that, that, that storehouse of grace that's within you. And the flow and the abundance is going to increase. And I found a verse. Wow. I found a verse. Where, G, where Paul tells us that giving is a fruit of righteousness. And it increases the abounding grace that's within you. I'm like, whoa, Paul, that's what I thought. That's what I've always preached. Fruits of righteousness. I'm doing a study. It's going to be on, it's on YouTube. I've already started it on the fruits of righteousness. You're going, to, you're, going to, it's, 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 you're going to be so blessed by it. Fruits of righteousness. Fruits of righteousness. Giving is a fruit of your righteousness. Wow. There's a lot of other fruits of righteousness. So here we go. Anyway. Therefore, I say unto you, what things soever you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them now. Because why? You qualify. Because now you're living in the realm of God's Son, and you will have them. Believe. Take your authority. Two things will empower you to chase away all fear. And what comes with it. Anxiety, stress, worry. Guilt, shame, condemnation. Two things will empower you and chase away all fear. Two things. How do I use my authority? How do I use my authority? How do I use my authority to speak to my body? How do I use my authority to speak to, to, speak to uh, relationships? How do I use my authority, you know, to speak to my finances? Right? Because we're always told, use your authority. Use your authority. Use your authority. Use your authority. And, and you know what? It's funny. Here's a portion of scripture that they always use. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. Here's another thing I never heard preached. I mean, I, maybe I just wasn't listening. Maybe I, I just wasn't listening. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. And God said, let us make man in our image and in our likeness. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth. Mm -hmm. And over every creeping thing that creepeth on the earth. Mm -hmm. God gave us authority. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'm the first to preach that, right? No. But you've heard it. Yes. God gave us authority. Yeah. No, he didn't. He didn't? No. He didn't. What he did was create us in his image and likeness. And the fruit of his image and likeness was dominion, was authority. He didn't say, let us give them authority. It said, let us make him in our image, let us make, make him in our likeness, and then let him have dominion. If you don't understand his love and how much you are loved, and if you're not operating in the fullness of the revelation of his love, and if you don't understand your righteousness, perfect innocence before God, perfectly qualifying before God, all because of faith in Jesus. Oh God, Dad, Father, that we might be perfect in one. Perfect in one. As I am in you, as you are in me, 
Oh, that they would know that you love them as much as you love me. His image and likeness? Love. 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 Created us in love. Created us because he loved. Created us because he loved. And then, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 24. Put on your new self. Put on the new man, which after Christ has been created in true holiness and true righteousness. Let us make man in our own image with the power of love, in the power of our love. Let us make man in our own image and likeness, true righteousness and true holiness. That will allow them to have dominion. So if you start, if you continue to listen to to lessons or messages or teachings that tell you other than the three things that Pastor Lenny and Pastor Lori have been telling you for now, I don't know how long it's been. I am, I can, and I have. Period. Not I need to, I must. There's work I have to do. No. Power, right, comes from love and and righteousness Authority comes from love and righteousness. You have to listen to your tells. You have to see how you're thinking. If you're thinking about yourself in a way in which God would not be thinking about Jesus, then you haven't had the true revelation of love and righteousness. Think about what God would say to Jesus. That's how God addresses you. Think about how you address yourself. Jesus would not address himself in many of the ways that we address ourselves. As Jesus is, so am I in this world. Let us make man in our own image and in our own likeness. The power of love and the power of righteousness. Then dominion will be easy. Authority will be easy. Does that make sense? Yes. Yes, it does. How do I know that's true? <clears throat> Paul lets me know. Paul lets me know. Romans chapter 5, verse 17. For those who have received of the abundance of God's love, grace, right? Who have received that abundance and the gift of righteousness. See? Let us make man in our image and our likeness. The gift of righteousness. The gift of righteousness, no working, no striving. They will rule and reign in life, over life, as kings, the Amplified Version says, because that's what the Greek word indicates, through the one Jesus Christ. Amen. Love chases fear away. Love builds confidence and belief. True righteousness causes you to properly act in your true authority. Love and righteousness are the two greatest forces and greatest powers. I'll leave you with Galatians chapter 5, verse 6. Love is faith. Faith. Galatians chapter 5, verse 6. Faith is energized. Faith becomes energized by love. Mm-hmm.
period. So, Father, we thank you and we praise you and we give you glory because you have truly, truly created us in your image and in your likeness. Truly holy, perfectly holy, truly righteous, perfectly righteous. You loved us so much. Perfect love. Perfect love. Your perfect love surrounds us. It's all about us. It empowers us from within. Perfect love and perfect righteousness. Thank you, Father. It comes with faith in Jesus Christ. And when that comes, we have authority that we now know we use. And we will rule and reign in and over life through Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Amen.